We are recording. You know how I know that? How do you know that? Because my candle is lit. Welcome to the Attorney of Review. My name is Ben. And I'm Truman. And we are doing a deep dive going through uh, all the episodes of He-Man and the Masters of the Universe. We took a little bit of a break, but we're back. With episode 14, Dawn of Dragoon. does not involve more pylons or Skeletor, actually. He gets name dropped, but does not make an appearance this episode. So it's like loosely a Skeletor plot, but he's not directly involved, really. Do you have any opening thoughts on Dawn of Dragoon before we dive in? Not really, other than I blew all of my StarCraft references on that first one, because I don't really know that much more about StarCraft. Probably good to get them all out of the way. So we open on Castle Eternia. Orko is demonstrating his magic pyramid to Man-at-Arms, who is going to try to fix it because it is broken. So it's broken, and this is his classic Orko shenanigans, and Orko tells Man-at-Arms it's broken, and so Man-at-Arms like holds it and says, so this end is supposed to like put out food or something. I don't remember what the first one was. Flowers flowers and then uh, he opens it and it sprays him in the face with mud and he's like what orco and he's like i was trying to tell you it's broken and so he's like all right so this side's supposed to do swans right and he and then orco's like well and then he opens it like an idiot and it sprays him in the face with water like what did he think would happen and then he gets orco to open the last one but that's the one that works so it puts out a bowl of fruit nicely yeah so based on what we've learned from other episodes both mud and water are some of the most dangerous substances in Eternia. This is a pretty dangerous box. People are single-handedly taken out by mud and water all of the time. They're up there with the elemental forces of rocks and large sticks. Still below punching. Obviously. But it does speak to man-at-arms power, able to withstand first mud and then water. And to not be immediately defeated and just sit there and defeat. So Orko opines that back in Trala, which he calls a different, quote, astral zone, his magic was much more powerful, and people knew him as Orko the Great. He's talking about this as he, like, wistfully juggles some rocks. And I've never seen anybody juggle wistfully, but it was like he just was so melancholic while he juggled. You sort of assume that if you're juggling, it's kind of like they say when you smile, it releases endorphins and makes you feel happier. You would think the same of juggling. You would think. Not for Orko. It takes him back to a a different time when his magic was more powerful and he had respect of the people he worked with. Here, Man-at-Arms warns Orko that the meteorites might be dangerous. And he has like a little rad sensor and like they're clearly radioactive somehow so they have some concept of radioactivity like it's it's sensing some sort of energy waves off of them which i can only assume is radioactivity and he just leaves them lying about they clearly don't know what it is otherwise they wouldn't just leave it lying about to be juggled wistfully as we mentioned before they're pretty cavalier about exploding stuff in the atmosphere 
So, I mean, what's one more? They don't comprehend the radioactive danger. Is there cancer on Eternia? There's a lot of really insane-looking creatures and plants, but... So it's, it's more in the, the, like, Godzilla realm of radioactivity where it makes things crazy-looking and interacts with magic because that's kind of what happens here. Yeah, Orko drops the meteorites near the pyramid and they all disappear momentarily and then everything reappears but with a surprise inside this time yeah there's a girl orko which we know she's a girl because she has blonde hair and long eyelashes apparently this is a trollin and she pops out of the pyramid saying are you orko the great it turns out he actually is a powerful sorcerer so female orko is Dreel. And she lets them in on that there's an evil monster named Dragoon who's attacking Trala. Some sparks appeared while she was hiding from Dragoon, and because no one has any common sense in any of the universes of Eternia, she followed the sparks and then appeared in the pyramid. Because it seemed like a good place to hide. So Orko is pretty gung-ho about saving his people in Trala gung-ho about helping out the cute blonde that just showed up in the lab but i also i guess his people too adam man at arms and tila want to help uh, they're too big to fit in the pyramid and also he says something like this is something i want to do myself which yeah is respectful yeah this is a trollin problem you guys can stay out of it so they uh at some point they uh when orko's trying to impress the girl like when he's introducing himself He's like, you know, I'm the royal wizard and I have anything you desire I will get for you. And they like, man in arms says like to the side, like he's really laying it on thick. But then like Driel really lays it on thick about how they need help from him. Because he's like, oh, if only we had a powerful sorcerer like you to help us, Orko. It seemed uh, at the time suspicious to me. But then I remember that this is the show. So it's not actually <laughs> suspicious. Uh, that would be a pretty good Skeletor plot. Yeah. But no, it is real, and we cut to Orko and Driel, who stand in Trala, flying fish across the horizon with little fish wings. There's, like, phallic rock sculptures everywhere. And Orko starts exclaiming quite loudly about what it's like to be back in Trala. He's very excited about it. Driel tells him to quiet down because he's going to attract the attention of Dragoon. And Orko's like, nah, I'm great. Let him know I'm here. And apparently Dragoon is half man and half dragon and also breathes fire. Which I don't really get where the name Dragoon comes from then. Big Starcraft fan. Now there's joke number two. So Dragoon historically is like a, that's a military term. It's like a type of troop, like platoon or something, I think. Yeah, I thought it was a soldier on horseback with like a big axe or spear or something. Dragoons were originally a class of mounted infantry who used horses for mobility but dismounted to fight on foot. So the name's derived from a type of firearm, which is called a dragon, which was a handgun. So there's like regular soldiers that get around on horses. And shoot guns? There's guns involved later. Oh no, they're involved from the beginning because it's like the 17th century. So it's like 1600s. They have guns then. This information brought to you by Wikipedia. Regardless, uh, Dragoon arrives and Orko and Driel cheese it. Yeah. 
Orko shoots water at Dragoon and remarks that his powers are as good as ever. Apparently much better here in Trolla. So you think it's like part of to do with like the astral zone or whatever? Place affects the power of the magic. It's like the rules. Oh, so we'll find out later that the rules are a little different here. So Prince Adam rolls up to Castle Grayskull previously right after Orko had disappeared with Driel in the pyramid Man-at-Arms and Tila say oh I wish we could help Orko I wish we knew how to help and Adam mugs the camera maybe even winks and says oh I know how to help and how to help is to go to the Ask the sorceress for help. Which, for some reason, he feels the need to transform into He-Man before entering Castle Grayskull. I don't think he's had to do that before, because he's gone to the castle as Prince Adam and transformed while he was in there. The one thing that he did do was, with more yelling, loudly command the jaw bridge to open. So maybe in order for him to open the door, without being called there by the sorceress, he has to open up the jawbridge by himself so he has to invoke the power of grayskull to do it like the grayskull doorbell or like the the garage door code yeah (laughs) yep uh it turns out that the sorceress has opened a portal to trala but it's very small for some reason so i was thinking about there's the real world reason of like they needed to make it small so that they could like come up with some sort of shrinking device that they could sell to kids sort of justifying having in the episode or, like, really, it's there to indicate that it's hard to make this portal, right? Like, you can only make it so big, and it only lasts for so long. Orko should have been, it should have been easy for him to go home. So you could just open up a portal there. So it makes the sorceress look like kind of a tool for not telling Orko that she can make a portal back to Trala because it's hard or unstable, instead of just a huge asshole for not doing it before. He still could have made it home. Like, he could have gone home this whole time. And the sorceress does say that it's it's hard to keep the portal open. It's very unstable. But it's apparently stable enough that it will last until moonrise. Not a uh, time thing you normally hear. It's very poetic. It is, yeah. But yeah, so it's, it's, which would be plenty stable to get Orko back home. At least to visit. And it's not so dangerous that she's, like, not willing to send he-man through it you know i guess it's implied that the sorceress can only open this portal once but they never say that either yeah it's not explicit so he-man seeing the small portal does the natural thing and asks the sorceress if there's some way that he can shrink down to fit answers yes there is it is a squeeze ball it's literally a stress ball like he squeezes it to shrink, and you release it, and you grow. That's how it works. Don't understand. I mean, I guess it's just magic, but like... And, you know, spoilers ahead, but apart from getting He-Man back and forth through the portal, and later for being responsible for what might be the best, worst joke of the episode, there is no other purpose for the squeeze ball. It doesn't help He-Man defeat the Dragoon or play into the story in literally any other way. No, it's just here for this this little bit. So your theory is that the creators of He-Man 
somehow lucked into a deal where they had like a warehouse full of stress balls and they had to unload them and get kids to buy them so they branded them as shrink balls ball shrinks hmm yeah it's shrink balls or it's ball shrinkers i don't know <laughs> this is an episode of seinfeld i think they probably didn't sell an actual ball shrinker toy but like they also kind of sell the idea of like two kids with their action figures in the sandbox like using these things right so it's like giving kids like devices to use when they're smashing their action figures together gotcha so they're not just selling the he-man and skeletor action figures or the attack track that electrocutes people they're selling the whole he-man experience yeah sure just get some thingamajigger to get the kids excited about their toys you know he-man uses the sphere of size it did have an official name it had an official name the sphere of size i guess that's better than ball shrinkers but not by much <laughs> oh my god uh he-man <laughs> engages with the sphere of size or the ball shrinker you choose whichever <laughs> name you prefer shrinks down and enters the portal on the other side he has mysteriously returned to adam in cringer form and to give you how much credit I give this show, at first I thought it was just like a continuity error because <laughs> I wouldn't put it past him. Adam marvels at the upside down trees. He also sees the flying fish and there's a rainbow that's upside down as well. But they are shocked back to the present. So it's like a snake creature dragon thing. I had it as water snake in my notes, but... Does it have feet or is it just slithering? It's just slithering around. Since they're not uh, He-Man and Battle Cat, Cringer reminds Adam that he has a heat ray. Or is a fire ray? Fire ray, yeah. Which is like on his wrist for some reason. It like pops out of his like shirt sleeve. Yeah, but it does not work. No, instead of fire, it shoots out water. Right before this too... Adam does try again to transform back into He-Man, but he cannot. And his voice sounded especially nasally, like they were overplaying how, uh, I don't know, whiny Adam is. He did seem more whiny. I remember uh, quite a few episodes ago, you had a theory with Orko being cartoonish and coming from a cartoon world. And I think this next scene really proves that you are correct. I don't know what you're talking about, and I'm really excited to find out what it is. So Adam realizes that he can't use the fire ray to destroy the water snake. <laughs> oh, yeah. Okay. What power could he possibly turn to except the old run around a bunch through a maze of trees and let the water snake tie itself up? Uh, yep. in the confusion. Adam's really been exercising his most powerful muscle, his brain. He uses strategy. <laughs> I guess the other joke is that uh, the rainbow and the trees are upside down, the fire ray turns into water, and literally the dumbest cartoon plans in the world turn out to be the genius move to make. Everything's backwards. We cut over to Orko and Driel, who are hiding from Dragoon. 
Dragoon takes this opportunity to monologue for no reason. That's great. This guy monologues a lot. He tells everybody exactly what he's doing all the time. Which I guess speaks to Dragoon's confidence in his ability to dominate these goofy trollins. Does he name drop Skeletor at this point? Or is that that's later, right? No, he mentions it now. So, like, do you think he's from Eternia, or do you think he's from here on Trala or somewhere else entirely? Yeah, so Dragoon mentions that Skeletor has sent him to Trala for a mysterious purpose at this point. So I would assume, I guess, that he is not from Trala. So he's not from a Trala explicitly. I guess jury's out of whether or not he's from Eternia, but he probably is. So does Dragoon have his own ball shrinker to fit through Skeletor's small portal? <laughs> That's a good question. Does Skeletor also have a tiny portal for for him? And would complete with ball shrinker? He got here somehow. We haven't seen too much like dimensional travel yet. I mean we've had a uh, portal travel by portal from the surface of the planet to the moon. We've had time travel. This is the first time they've really crossed a dimension. Like explicitly. I mean, I guess when Orko showed up the first time, they showed that, but he just kind of like showed up. Dragoon, by the way, they call a half man, half dragon, is like a brown lizard with wings and wears kind of like one of those Victorian era secret identity mask parties. The masquerade mask? Yeah. He kind of sounds like he has asthma. And he walks sort of funny. But he does breathe fire. It's pretty dope. He, he breathes rings of fire. Adam hears Orko's cry for help, but Dragoon has trapped Orko and Driel in a burning ring of fire. While they're trapped there, Adam remembers that his fire ray shoots water here because everything's backwards. And so he shoots his water ray and douses the ring of fire. Everything is backward in Trala. Dragoon is not from Trala, we think. Does that mean that normally Dragoon just like spits water at people? It would have to be. He spits like rings of water or squares of water or <laughs> water jets, I guess. He has hydro pump on, on wherever he's from. And instead here he's got a yeah ring of fire. Yeah, I, I'm 100% on board that. He has to shoot water out of his face most of the time. Which is a much less terrifying power. I mean, unless you're on Eternio, as we've gone over, water to the face can defeat you. Does Trulla have a different hierarchy of power then, as well? Oh, I mean, it would be backward, is right? Well, it should be backwards, but it's not. Yeah, some things are interdimensional constants. Much akin to the speed of light being the top end of speed that you can get. Muscles are the top end of power that you can get. <laughs> it is a universal constant. So Adam uses his fire ray to spit water. Orko zaps some rocks and they explode. He zaps some rocks after Dragoon snags Driel. Adam puts out the fire. Orko zips out. Driel doesn't get away in time. Dragoon snags her in his hands. So while he's got Driel in her in his clutches, Orko causes an avalanche to cr- try to crush them. Does not seem like a good plan. Orko is either 
extremely reckless or maybe just not used to his powers being useful. Yeah, he didn't expect it to work. I mean, even though it's a dumb plan, it, it impresses Adam. It's like, oh, wow, you actually are powerful here, Orko. This does allow Orko to escape, but yeah, Dragoon has Duriel and runs off. Orko asks uh, Adam, why isn't he He-Man? And Adam says, it's a long story. And it's really not. <laughs> <laughs> He's just like, well, I, when I got here, I was Prince Adam. That's it. That's the story. <laughs> Do you think Prince Adam, when he tells stories, he's one of those guys that like goes into like way too much detail when he starts, he starts like at the beginning of his day. And like, so remember when we were like hanging out there and, you know, Duncan was trying to fix your pyramid, you know, I thought that like, it was weird that he kept trying to open it when you clearly were trying to tell him it was broken. Well, after you guys left, you know, I went over to the sorceress's <laughs> castle. I, I believe it. So Adam recounts everyone's whole day as he and Orko trundle off toward Dragoon's hideout, which they know about for some reason. Adam's never been here, and Orko has not been here for, like, over a decade. Also, Prince Adam has a fuel gauge indicating time left printed onto his (laughs) shirt sleeve. Yeah, Uh, it's the old Moonrise watch. And it has a plus side and a minus side, and it's got a little, what do they even call it? A dial? That's not a dial. An indicator? The red stick thing like yeah. in your gas, in your car. I mean, it literally looks like a fuel gauge, and it's yeah. like slowly ticking towards the minus. It's like, how does... He's like, yeah, we have three hours left. So, meanwhile, Dragoon threatens Driel. There are some other Trollins that are also captured, and he has plans to use their energy for still something mysterious. He's storing it in a mega core, which is like a vat of yellow goo. It's yeah. very dark crystal-esque, you know? He's got the people strapped to the table, sucking out their life essence. It is very much like what the Skeksis do to the Gelflings, yeah. Is he just going to give away all this life essence to Skeletor? I wonder what he's getting out of it. Or do you think he was frozen in a rock and Skeletor got him out and they just agreed <laughs> to work for him? Yeah, we'll see you later, but it it cannot be that strong of a bond. Adam cannot figure out why he can't transform and on their way to Dragoon's hideout remarks, there's something I'm missing, foreshadowing what we all know is going to happen. I have to say, I didn't figure out how he's going to fix it until right before, and I was like, oh, God damn it!" I had a different theory. Um, I thought that he was going to say... I don't have the power. Dragoon's Fortress, by the way, is pretty sick. Oh, it really is. It's like a bunch of like crystalline spires sticking into the sky, all akimbo, different angles. Well, it's mostly straight, and then like some sticking out like at an angle. It looks really cool. Yeah. It also has a gator dog guarding the entrance. <laughs> yes, he does. It's literally like a yellow lab with a gator head, and it's amazing. Which is the opposite of a gator with a dog head? Yeah, I don't understand what it's backwards of. I mean, I guess lizards are pets, but lizards are pets. But anyway, they do arrive at the gate. Here we cut back over first to Driel getting strapped to the table. There is another troll in with a metal cap, and we get the 
extremely dark crystal scene with the energy. Yeah, it's very like not just dark crystal, but like actually dark, dark. Like it's just like it's trying to stay awake and struggling to stay awake and like uh, can't. They do kind of undercut it a little bit. In the Dark Crystal, it is extremely grim because I think when they drain the energy from one of the Gelflings, like their skin sinks in and they get all gaunt and maybe even wither away. It's been a while yeah. since I've seen that movie. Yeah, they do, and it like sucks the color out of their face and everything. And here, uh, they just sort of get sleepy. It's not as dark as the dark crystal i guess but i i was having ptsd to when i was a kid watching that movie so felt probably darker than it was i mean it's still you know eternal slumber not a great situation to be in no we cut back over to the gate where cringer is opining that everything is backward and here is where adam comes finally to the realization all he has to do is say i have the power backwards no by the power of Grayskull backwards. So yep. he just says, Grayskull of power the by. And then he says the rest forward. Yeah, that's the only part that's backward. Yeah, that bothered me. <laughs> like, you, you didn't have to say the whole thing backwards. One of the behind the scenes uh, tidbits is that it was originally written to like say it like sil- syllabically backwards, backwards by syllable. Oh, because it's not even truly backward. Yeah. Yeah. Luke Stiarg, that yeah, that's brought to you by the uh, fandom wiki. So did they think that that was uh, too smart for their viewers? Probably that or the voice actor complained about it. They don't make you suspend too much disbelief. I mean, over the abundance that you have expended already watching He-Man. Grayskull of power, the by, and then the whole transformation scene, and then, yeah, everything else is straightforward. I have the power. And it just works. That's that's all it was. This causes the lizard to break free from the leash that it was on, and He-Man solves this problem by throwing a log in its mouth. Throws a log in its mouth, gives him a stick to chew on, and then he just walks off to chew on it for a while. Oh, he doesn't just let the lizard walk off to chew on it. He picks up the log. The lizard is coming at him, and he says, Say, ah, throws it in his mouth. Hungry, huh? Well, dig in. Okay, yeah. I, you know, he's just playing with the dog. It's the gator dog. And that is the runner-up of Best Worst Joke this episode. Uh, Continuing the Laugh Riot, He-Man confronts Dragoon with the old frog face insult. Mm-hmm. Yep, yep. So He-Man says I'll face off with Dragoon and you go save Driel to Orko. Somehow they're transported over to like a ledge and Dragoon has the high ground. He's just chucking boulders at He-Man because he knows that boulders are very powerful. They apparently still have power here, but not quite as much as muscles as usual. He-Man just keeps punching them out of the sky. Yeah, while looking over his shoulder at this hole that just, it looks like a, a bathtub drain, just circling, 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 something going down the hole. Yeah, with windy sounds, apparently it's the bottomless pit, or bottomless hole of Trala. Yep, and there is a joke in there somewhere. Dragoon has heard of He-Man, I guess from Skeletor? Yeah, Skeletor warned me about you. 
he'd probably be pretty happy if I defeat you. Uh, which, I mean, yeah, you're fighting each other. Uh, Dragoon's plan is to take He-Man and his ball crusher and throw him in the bottomless hole of Trolla and does so by throwing a boulder which knocks Battlecat kind of half into the hole. Battlecat like trips a little bit, but he stays out of it. And then Dragoon grabs a net from somewhere. Yeah, it was like tied around the boulder or something. It's like this rope, and I don't understand how it happens, but he throws the net or the rock. The net catches on his legs and takes him with it, and so he gets chucked into the bottomless pit by himself. Dragoon does. Yeah, He-Man does effectively nothing to make that happen. Dragoon just like chucks the rock. It catches his legs. And then the rock's momentum takes him with it. Science. Science. Dragoon is hanging precariously by the net from some rocks that are sticking up kind of down in the pit. And will He-Man let him hang there or fall into the bottomless hole of Trolla? No. No, he will not. That would be the wrong thing to do. He-Man jumps down there and then has Battlecat throw him a rope to help him get uh, Dragoon back up. Because He-Man believes in saving lives and also being incredibly smug about it. Oh, yeah. Uh, like, I get saving the guy's life, actually. But when he gets right up to the top, he literally the first thing He-Man does is untie him. He was still tied to the rock when He-Man got him to the top of the, the ledge. He didn't have to untie him. You know, save his life, but keep him, like, out of trouble. That does seem like it would be much smarter sensible thing to do but instead he-man goes on a whole speech you know dragoon's like well why did you save me i would not have saved you and he-man's like that's that makes us different there is did you read those choose your own adventure books growing up uh yeah i read some of them there's one where it's like two humans are helping a supercomputer fight another supercomputer that has turned evil for some reason. And at the very end of the book, at least on one of the paths, you have the option of helping the friendly supercomputer fight the evil one by like taking off its access restrictions so that it has more power. Or because you've already been burned by supercomputers and you don't trust it 100%, you can leave the access restrictions in place and still send your supercomputer friend off to fight the evil one. And if you make the choice, first of all, I guess, which one of those would you choose, Ben? Uh, I wouldn't trust it. I probably would leave the access codes on. So in this situation, your friendly supercomputer turns out to have been a true friend all along, but fettered by the access restrictions... Uh, is destroyed while also destroying the evil supercomputer and Mm. sets the whole world back to, like, I don't know, pre-industrial revolution times for some reason. Seems brutal, but okay. If you uh, let it run free, it stays true. It's a good friend and handily defeats the evil supercomputer and everyone is happy. And I wonder if He-Man read that same book when he decided to free Dragoon and trust in the goodness of people and also supercomputers hearts because it pays off 
he probably does yeah because he's he he wins over dragoon dragoon's like maybe i was wrong maybe i shouldn't be evil so prince adam's like oh sounds like you got a lot of thinking to do (laughs) yeah i love that line yeah smug is definitely the word for it and that's it for dragoon he's gonna go off to his thinking corner reconsider his evil ways defeated by the power of friendship we're not quite through because we cut over to Orko, who is crying over the unconscious form of Driel. She's in a coma because her life force was sucked out of her. All the spells she's tried off screen haven't worked. He's desperate. Battle Cat and He-Man show up, tell them that they believe in him. And he should never stop trying. And then it works. Yeah. <laughs> he uh, chants a rhyming spell about waking up and at least for driel the day is saved there's like a little rainbow power and like it shimmers and over to her and then she wakes up right by the stone bed that the trollins are clamped to there is a lever a pretty conspicuous lever and i thought for the whole back half of the episode that the answer was going to be taking the lever and just like flipping it the opposite direction. That's kind of what I thought too. Just like reverse it and then shoot out the life force that was sucked. That's sucking. And then the mega core, you know, that just put it back into the trollins more or less. And I think when Orko does the spell, they don't really cut over to the mega core to show it being drained or anything. So presumably it's still there filled up with life force juice. So there's all that energy just sitting there. Which Dragoon does mention that he's collecting it for Skeletor back mm-hmm. three minutes ago when he was still evil. But they never mention why or what Skeletor's going to do with it. Yeah, it's just for whatever purposes. Maybe he uses it as like a lip balm or something. Nice hand cream. Yeah, do skeleton faces get chapped easily? I'm sure he's got to keep his bones oiled so they don't get a bunch of like dirt in them, you know, keeps them preserved a little bit better. So maybe that's what it's for. Gets a nice sheen on them, keeps them nice and bleachy white. And for Skeletor, who appearance is everything, this would be like a top priority. Absolutely would be. We have one more scene. Battle Cat asks where Orko has gone off to because they don't have a lot of time left until Moonrise and He-Man says that first Orko had to cast the magic spell to wake up all the rest of the Trollins, and then second, he's going to go show his face to Driella, <laughs> which is apparently a Trollin custom. And Adam says it's like getting engaged, but the way he makes it sound, it's much more sounds like kind of hanky-panky. We cut over to Orko, who is getting thanked by Driel, asks him to stay, but Orko must return to fight evil in Eternia. That doesn't seem like a good enough reason. There's obviously enough evil on this planet that it needs to be saved, and like his his magic doesn't work correctly on the other planet. Like, Not that he's never helped out at all, but... I think he just wants to show his face and ditch, you know? He doesn't want the commitment. I mean, you know, you see the face once and it's exciting. Mm-hmm. You see it day in and day out and you think, 
Is this all that life has to offer? So to avoid getting stuck in a rut, Orko's like, yeah, babe, sorry. There's a lot of evil over there in Eternia. <laughs> I love you, girl, but you're beautiful. I got to go. I got to keep rambling on. I mean, could you expect someone with Orko's theme to settle down? <laughs> no, no, never in a million years. He-Man and Battlecat and Orko ride for the portal. They intercut with the moon rising. The sorceress says, oh, the moon has risen and it's too late. The portal is starting to wink out of existence. But they make it just in time, of course. Just in time. They get out and they unsqueeze their shrink balls and they grow back to regular size. And they leave us with my pick for the best worst joke of the episode it is our consensus pick for the best work joke he-man grows large and says well i guess that means we've been eating our vegetables it's just there wasn't a lot to choose from in this episode (laughs) but you know it's still a strong showing i think as far as best work just best worst jokes go i that one caused me to do a double take i did not get it at first i was (laughs) what what oh oh they grow big oh yeah this is where man at arms gives before the end of the episode just some lip service to he wasn't even there but he gives some lip service to orko says well you really are a great sorcerer orko yeah don't let anyone not even me tell you different you weren't even there man at arms like not that like he did a bad job this week but like you're just like yeah and it's very patronizing Man-at-Arms is still smarting from getting the mud and the water in his face, I guess. Defeated like a common foe. So what do you think you learned this week, Truman? Uh, yeah, it's it's a hard one. I'm going to go for the gimme, and uh, Orko is trying to cast the spell to awaken Driel and the Trollins, and initially his magic is not strong enough, but after encouragement, is able to uh, save the day. So I think it's like um, sometimes you feel down, but if you believe in yourself, then you can accomplish anything. That's a good moral. I like that. It's not what this one is. Come on. Uh, In today's story, this is from He-Man, Orko is faced with a very difficult decision, which I don't honestly know what decision he had to face like at all. You know, when we're young, most of our decisions are made for us. But as we get older, well, we want to make more and more of them for ourselves. And that's the way it ought to be. But sometimes we have a real tough one, a real problem. And when that happens, it's a good idea to talk it over with someone else. Someone who really cares about you, like your mother or father, or maybe your best friend. Talking a problem out with someone else can be a great help. Okay, which is a fine moral, but... The only decision that Orko made in this episode was not to stay in Trolla, but rather to return to Eternia. And he did not talk that out with anybody. Yeah, and he didn't even struggle with it. And it's like it was clear like what he wanted to do. Yeah, there was no decision making at any point in this episode. I don't think anybody decided anything. They all just did stuff. Do people regularly decide stuff in things just sort of happen? Yeah. I mean, does anybody have agency on Eternia? (laughs) (laughs) In a land governed by boulders and muscles, (laughs) eternal giants 
uh, fighting across the countryside. Yeah, I don't think anyone has agency. Yeah, not really. What I'm really curious about, Ben, is what to do with Skeletor quote of the week. Yeah, because Skeletor is mentioned twice, never says anything. There's no voice lines. Dragoon said some like villainy things, but nothing really that that grand as Skeletor would have, you know? Yeah, sort of a disappointing episode in that regard. Yeah. Well, here's here's your Skeletor quote of the week right here. That was it. Did you get it? <laughs> so meta, Ben. I'm really proud of myself for that one. <laughs> as you should be. Uh, I mean, I don't know how you can top it, but what else do you have for uh, this episode? <laughs> I uh, was wondering in the end, the opening credits for this episode of why Orko gets to know the secret, but Tila doesn't. It's just one more thing that Tila is like should know, but is kept secret from her for reasons. Tila is the captain of the guard, has proven herself time and time again. She's way more capable than like almost any other person on the entire team. And yet she doesn't get to know who He-Man is. Although maybe she does know, just doesn't let on that she knows because she has plenty of like looks at the camera when she's around. Yeah, in this episode too, right after Orko disappears through the pyramid with Driel, Man at Arms and Tila are saying, "Oh, I wish I could help." And Prince Adam, who famously does nothing useful, says out loud, "Oh, I think I know what to do." And Tila like doesn't follow up on that comment. Yeah. Like, what the hell are you going to do, Adam? Go smoke some weed in the garden? <laughs> The other thing, uh, which I brought up before, but we didn't really get into, uh, that magic works differently in different places. It also relates somehow to time, as Orko's power has worked better in the past as well. And I wonder if, because like magic and science are sort of intertwined in this universe, right? Like the radioactive meteorites that, you know, man-at-arms could pick up the radioactivity off of like activated the pyramid to be a transportation device for reasons. So maybe there's some sort of like traveling radioactive waves or based on the positioning of the planet, it like there's some sort of solar flare or like, you know, decades or, you know, centuries long solar flares that pass through the different parts of the cosmos of this place or some sort of like something like that anyway, Mm -hmm. like dark matter mumbo jumbo. Yeah, some, I guess it is interdimensional force since, do they say dimension in this episode? They call it an astral, what, astral zone? Yeah, an astral zone, which I think we can assume to be some sort of dimensional thing. Have you seen uh, the new Star Trek Discovery? I have not, actually. You should, it's really good. But they have, and you're going to hate this part of it, but they have... uh, (laughs) The way they get around in it, their ship has a thing called a spore drive. Sure. Uh, which, for reasons, like, can there's some sort of universal, like, fungus. Yeah. That, like, is all over the galaxy or whatever. So they can, like, tap into it, shuffle off to some other dimension, and then pop back out on the other side of the galaxy using the spore drive. Because there's some sort of interdimensional mycelium that they can use to do this. 
Uh, what? I'm sure our resident uh, astrophysicist, Star Trek nerd, will correct me on exactly how that works, but that's essentially how it works. The show's good if you can get past that part. Uh. Yeah, I don't know what this says about Star Trek Discovery, but that sounds like something straight out of (laughs) He-Man. Yeah, it really does. Anyways, I'm wondering if it's something like that, where there's some sort of like, like we talk about background radiation, there's some sort of like interdimensional spore sort of like field of something that like travels and in different time, space, time locations affects the way the magic works as it travels through that. Yeah, the only way that I'll believe that is if it is not actually magic, but literal like hallucinogenic magic mushrooms. Uh, When they are stronger, of course, everyone totally sees it way stronger, (laughs) man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which is why it's so trippy on Trolla right now. (laughs) The trees are upside down. Dude, that rainbow. Yeah, Uh, that's ridiculous. But (laughs) I think that the uh, general theory about some interconnective tissue that has some kind of like varying level of magic uh, potency or receptability or who knows what it is. Yeah. Maybe it's transient. It seems to travel... Uh, it seems to be different over time, stronger in the past. It seems to be different in other astral zones. Yeah, mm-hmm. there's something here. That's kind of what I was thinking. Yeah, I like that theory. It's a good one. You got anything else? I do not. No, that's all I got. All right. Uh, please shoot us an email with your thoughts on interdimensional fungus at hello at attorneyareview.com. Remember to talk it out with your friends, and even if you are an interdimensional evil being, you can always decide that it's better to save a life than to take one. We'll see you next time on the Attorney Review.